everybody. Thank you for being here this morning. Christmas is officially here. This Christmas season is upon us. My name is Al Nichols, and I am one of the people on the communication teaching team, uh, normally in Cedar Rapids. I'm here. Uh, glad to be here with you. You wonderful people here in Tiffin. Taylor is currently in Cedar Rapids. Uh, next Sunday, Jingle Jam, big Sunday. Everybody in Cedar Rapids will be coming here. Yeah, we'll be have to be a lot of fun, and then that'll be a great time. So looking forward to all of that that's going on. Uh, but you know, as we all know, Christmas can be a time, can be a great time, can be a wonderful time. But as that video that we saw can uh, can allude to, it can also be very stressful. It can be very difficult sometimes for us to to get into the mood of Christmas, or it can be very challenging for us as we realize the pressures begin to build around this time of year. Did you know we are 21 days away from Christmas? 21 days. Oh, I hear that. Who? Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. Uh, but let's be honest. Does that make you a little bit nervous? Yeah, some of, some of you, some of you newcomers, some of you newcomers are thinking, oh, I got time, right? No. Yeah, I've been around a while. And I can tell you right now, you don't got time. You've got three weeks, and it may seem like you got a long time, but you don't got a lot of time, people. And you know what? Next week, you're only going to have two weeks. <laughs> and the week after that, you got one. Yeah, you better start planning, right? This is the kind of stuff we're talking about, right? It's easy for us to kind of get that bah humbug feeling sometimes about Christmas because of all the pressures that we can kind of put on ourselves, and we begin to wonder and look forward to what will it be like to once again just sit on the couch? Wouldn't that be just wonderful? You know, and we feel guilty then about it. It's like, oh my, what am I saying? It's Christmas, so I shouldn't be saying that. And then we just add more guilt, more pressure to everything, and it just kind of builds and builds and builds. And you know what? This is supposed to be fun, right? This is supposed to be fun. We're supposed to be having fun, but sometimes it feels kind of like that. It kind of feels like you're on the sled and you're going down this snow-covered hill and about halfway down you realize you really don't have any control. And at the very end and towards the very end, you're just hoping to survive. And sometimes we can feel that way about Christmas. It's like, you know what, we get together and we have these family times and we have all the stuff and we have big expectations and sometimes through part of it, it can feel like you've, maybe you've lost control. And you wonder, am I going to survive the outcome of this? And those can be very difficult to deal with because it's supposed to be such a wonderful time of the year. But yet at the same time, we realize, we realize that grudges do happen. Things happen when we get together as people. Things are said that maybe shouldn't have been said or was misinterpreted. Things can be left unsaid that maybe should have been said. And we can wind up feeling a bit bah humbug, a bit let down, a bit of a uh, kind of a bah humbug sort of, you know, I don't want to have these grudges keep building up in my life and I, I don't want to keep carrying them forward. Well, let me share with you real quickly one of my favorite Christmases of all time in my life. Uh, it's the Christmas I call the Christmas my Uncle Howard's family came to visit. I have an Uncle Howard, and maybe you have one too, you know, probably not the same name, but 
he, he was a one-of-a-kind kind of guy. Uh, he was the oldest of my uncles. Uh, he had uh, his own way of doing things. He would, uh, if you were going to go to a wedding, for example, and the whole family said, okay, you know, we're going to go to this wedding, you know, and Howard would be the one, while everybody else was getting ready, saying, I don't see the point. Why are we going? We don't really know these people. I don't really want to be there. How about if you go, I'll stay. You know, he's that, he was that kind of guy, right? So he was the one saying all those things. So he, as soon as he turned 18, he got married, and, he, and then he went off and moved away, and he had his wife, and uh, bless her heart, and I love my Uncle Howard. I want to make that very clear. love him very much. I thought he was a hoot. Uh, but, you know, I didn't have to deal with him that much. So he, he had this wife, and she wasn't real popular with the family because she tended to spoke her mind, too. Uh, and so consequently, you know, there were some hard feelings there. But this Christmas, they decided to come and come back and to visit. Now, in my grandparents, these are my grandparents. That's, you know, of course, you know, his parents. Uh, they are very, um, they're good people and they have certain ways of doing things. And I, by this point in my life, I had gotten the schedule down. Uh, I would get up Christmas morning, we would open the presents at our house, and then my mom would be preparing for uh, the, the, the uh, lunch later at my grandparents' house, so she'd be making a couple of the dishes that she could take with her. Then we'd load up in the car and we'd go to the grand, grandparents' house. They lived about 10 minutes out of town, this little farmhouse, very little, uh, and there's maybe 900 square feet, tiny house. And they lived there with, um, my other aunt and uncle was still there. So then we'd go there, and the first thing we'd do, we'd eat. We would have lunch together, and they'd set up this table with a card table, and I don't know how they did it because it was really tight. But anyway, we managed about eight or nine people about just sitting around there and eating. And, uh, and then after we got done eating, we'd go into the living room. Everybody just find a place to sit, and we start opening presents one at a time, and everybody would say, thank you, I really appreciate it. That's just the way we do things, and that's the way we, you know, we just did that. Uh, and so it was very well laid out, very structured, right? Well, this Christmas in particular, uh, this is the Christmas that Howard and his family decided to come and visit. So I went through the very first part just fine. I woke up in the morning, opened my presents. My mom fixed a couple of dishes that she's going to take. We get in a car and we go there. And by the time we get there, Howard and his family are supposed to already be there. They weren't. No. In fact, when we sit down to finally eat, because we had given up on Howard getting there in time, he comes in the door. He comes in the door with his wife, and right away you can tell they're arguing about something that happened. And sure enough, I'm going to get in and say, hey, everybody, we're here finally, sorry. Uh, you know, and they tell you kind of what was going on, and we had this horrible thing and whatever, and okay, we're here finally. And so they sit down, and they join us, okay? Uh, so far, not too bad. Uh, then whenever we get up to go open presents, the, there are two kids, about my, they were about the same age as I am, uh, that I was back then. They got up and they wanted to, first of all, just look and see who, you know, where's my present, where's my present, right? And Grandma and Grandpa would say, hey, kids, 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 settle, go find a place to sit, we'll take care of it, we'll get you going, don't worry about it, you know, it's like, okay, they reluctantly sit down, you know. And then uh, we started opening presents. And one of the presents that one of my cousins got, he opened it up and he said, what is this? Okay, what is this? And my grandmother said, now, 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 we, we don't do that. We say thank you. We say thank you about what you were given. And he said, but I don't want this. 
No, <laughs> we say thank you. And then, of course, my uncle got a little upset because, you know, these feelings come up, you know. These are my parents, and here they are trying to parent me again, and I'm a parent now, right? I can take care of this. Mom, I got this. Hey, just go ahead and put that off to the side, and don't worry about it, all right? And then later on uh, in the day, uh, my cousin came up to me and wanted to know if I'd like to exchange some presents with him. <laughs> yeah, and I, I said, dude, I... <laughs> Like, I'm not going to be able to do that for you, man. First of all, I like my presence. Uh, and and uh, no, it's against the rules to do anything like that. And I was a very strong rule follower back then. I mean, still am, really. Still am, really. Yeah, I feel pretty comfortable around rules. Uh, and they don't. They didn't feel comfortable. Anyway, it was this whole thing was just kind of a bit of a mess. It was just a bit of a mess. And there were some, there, there were some things now that I don't understand. I do have a better understanding of now that I'm an adult that were going on in the background, you know, uh, some of the way the family interacted. And I begin to realize that, that this was a very unique Christmas. It was very crazy, and it was kind of like that picture there. A lot going on, you know, a lot going on, and it wasn't normal. And it wasn't the Christmas I remember before. And since then, it was different after that as well. So the Christmas Howard came to visit to me goes down in my mental history as a Christmas I'll always remember and realize that was very odd and yet very interesting and delightful at the same time. It's like watching a train wreck. You just can't turn away from it. But my grandparents obviously didn't share that feeling. They were still very upset about the whole thing. And it's the first time I've ever really seen my grandparents get that upset. Uh, actually, I mean, it was a whole new thing for me. Well, hopefully none of you here have had quite that kind of impression. I mean, this is like as if, as if they decided to, my, my, my uh, uncle and his family decided to come into the room with a dozen frisbees and start tossing them about, going, hey, let's all play catch in the living room, you know, with these frisbees and knocking things down and everything, you know, and you think, oh my gosh, I think that would have been better than what actually wound up happening. So hopefully, though, you don't have that kind of stuff going on whenever you have Christmases. You don't have those kind of things. But sometimes, you know, that things can get a little, uh, a little tense, perhaps, you know. And sometimes you might feel like you're just one bouncing Frisbee away from a, you know, crazy time of Christmas. And you wonder, what's, what can I do about the idea of not carrying grudges, not being dissatisfied, not being upset? And when it comes time to this wonderful time of the year we call Christmas, well, relationships are messy. We just understand that. We have to go into these things knowing that relationships are messy, but they're also very rewarding. I value, one of the most, the highest things I value in this world are my relationships with my family. My family is at the top of the list, and I will take care of and deal with differences of opinion and I will pro provide support, and I will never quit trying to always make sure that my family knows that I, uh, that I love them. And so we go into the season with, with high hopes and good expectations, with good intentions, but we have to realize that we face our limitations. So we have to focus on the things that are most valuable to us to try and make this a good Christmas. Now, there are good examples, there are lots of good examples in the Bible about Christmases, I'm not Christmases, but about relationships and things that happen that kind of go um, sideways sometimes and don't go exactly as planned. 
And one of those examples is related to the Christian story, or the story of Jesus being born. It's a story about a man named Zechariah. Zechariah was a priest in the Jewish temple area. He was one of the men who would take care of the temple, uh, take care of the rituals and things that were done as part of belief in, in God. And he was married to a woman named uh, Elizabeth. Zechariah and Elizabeth, according to this Bible, Bible verse, yeah, they were good people, very good people. God saw that they were trying very hard to obey God, to do the things God wanted them to do. And, and therefore, because of their heart, because of their belief, God counted them as righteous before him. So these were good people. But, there were, but the problem was is that by this point in time in their life, or the story, they were elderly. They were getting old. And as though they, have tri- they had tried and tried and tried to have children, they couldn't. They, they never had a child. And it's important to have a family. And back then, it was really, really important to have family. Family carried on. Family allowed your, your name to carry on, your traditions to carry on. It was very essential, really, to have children. And that was just sort of one of the main goals of your life, have children. They couldn't. They couldn't do it. They couldn't have children. And it weighed on them. It weighed on them. As you can imagine, it weighed on them. So they were very disappointed in the fact that they could never have children, but they continued on to be, to do what God wanted them to do. And on this particular occasion, uh, Zechariah's name was chosen to be the one to go into the temple and light incense. And the incense was part of a ritual, asking for cleansing, asking for God to forgive his people. And it was a very important thing. And so he was chosen to do this. And there were people outside the temple, all there, gathered there, waiting for him to go in and to do that. And then he would come out and he would make some announcement, you know, and he would say he had done that and all this kind of thing. It was a very important thing. He was very honored to be chosen to do that. So we're going to pick that up with the verse that's going to come up here on the screen for us, right here. This verse says that, this is Zechariah, he's in the temple, right? He's inside the temple, and he's, uh, he's ready to do his thing, right? And it says, an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, don't be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son, and you are to call him John. He will be a joy and delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. It goes on to say, he is never to take wine or other fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. He will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God, And he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of parents to their children and the disobedient to the wise, to the wisdom of the righteous, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Before we go on, I want to point out that this meaning that he was not to take wine or fermented drink meant that he was set aside as somebody special, okay? He was set aside in a certain way, in certain purity for the purpose of God. And that before he was even born, be filled with the Holy Spirit. This was not something normal back then, okay? That he was going to actually be a 
a prophet like Elijah. Elijah was one of the most respected prophets ever, ever. And this was something very, very important because it pointed back to a prophecy that was being fulfilled. So the angel was basically saying a prophecy that our God had told you is going to happen. And you're part of this prophecy. And this is going to be very important because he's going to make way for the Lord. Okay, going on. Zechariah asked the angel, how can I, and this is where it kind of goes off the rails, how can I be sure of this? I'm an old man. My wife is well along in years. Okay, so in our way of saying things, Zechariah just said, are you sure about that? Really? Have you seen how old I am? Do you know who my wife is? She's old too. And now you're telling me we're going to have a kid. Okay, so then the angel says, basically, okay, I see how this is going. Let me tell you this. I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. And I have been sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news. Okay, I understand. You've got some doubts. You're speaking your mind. So let me just lay it out for you. My name is Gabriel, and I am the angel of the Lord. I stand in the presence of God. And when God says, I need a special messenger to deliver a special message, he sends me. I stand in the presence of God, and he sent me to speak to you and give you this great news. And now you will be silent and not be able to speak until the day this happens because you did not believe my words, which came true, which will come true at their appointed time. Zechariah, what are you doing, man? Okay, just a few minutes ago, an angel appeared. I mean, he knows this is not a person, person. How did he get here? What's going on? He's shaken with fear. And now he turns around and doubts the very thing that God is trying to do. Now, we can say Zechariah was being a bit, I don't know, stubborn, doubtful. But at the same time, we can understand some of that as well, can't we? We can't just leave him out the dry. We have to understand that we too can be a, a very questioning and doubtful people that we too can understand how this would be hard for us to understand. So Zechariah questioned the angel and questioned God. Maybe you know somebody like Zechariah or maybe you feel sometimes like Zechariah as well. Let's go ahead and look at what Zechariah did. Zechariah did or didn't, didn't appreciate the importance of this moment. Zechariah didn't appreciate the importance of this moment. Okay, so he's telling you that you're going to have a son, finally. You're going to name him John. He's telling you this magnificent thing God is doing. It's related to the coming of the Messiah, to the birth of Jesus. It's, it's, going, to, it's going to come before Jesus. This is a huge honor. Your, your son's going to be like the prophet Elijah. This is, this is a glorious good news. 
And what does Zechariah pick up on? Going to have a son? You said we're going to have a son, but you look how old we are? Okay, I just gave you all this wonderful thing, and this is what you're, this is what you're focusing on, Zechariah? This is, this is it? Is that the pregnancy thing? You're hung up on that? You're doubting that God can do this? Do you understand the significance of this moment, Zechariah? Have you missed it? <laughs> have you, have it? Did it go past you, right? And sometimes, sometimes if we're not careful, we will get focused on things about the Christmas season. We will get focused on things about ourselves, on what we want and what we don't want, our little things about it, and we'll get sidetracked. And we'll forget and not appreciate the importance of this moment. Every year, this happens. Every year, we want to stop and stop ourselves and say, wait a minute. Think about how important this is. This moment that we celebrate, this important event that happened 2,000 years ago that God did for us. This is important. The next thing that Zechariah questioned was the authority of God's messenger. He even questioned who this guy thinks he is to tell me this. Now, it's human nature to question things we don't fully understand. But this is our opportunity to exercise faith, to exercise our ability to trust God, to step out on faith. And this was Zechariah's moment to do that, to step out on the faith he's always been claiming to have in God. He is a leader. He is a priest. Zechariah, where's your faith that God says this and God will do it? That God, that you can be a part of God's plan in all of this. We have that same opinion today when we hear the Christian story, the Christmas story about what God is planning to do. God is going to do something great and is doing something great in our lives this Christmas season. And yet we question God's authority to do it. We question if he can actually come about with these things. It's, it's, is this really what God did? Is this really who God is? Can I trust that? Can I believe it? And yet there's evidence and evidence and evidence that God is indeed faithful. He is the authority of who he says he is. And then finally, Zechariah doubted God's ability to do what he claimed in his own life. And too often we shake our heads at our limits, limits and our weaknesses, and we ask ourselves, why should God love me? Why would he care so much for me to do this? To put me in a plan, his plans like this? Who am I that he loved me? Who am I? I doubt the ability I have in God's choice in using me. And we can become that way too. Who am I that God would send his son and a baby for me? Who am I that the unseen God can became, became seen? That the God I couldn't touch became a God I, I could touch? That he would do that for me? For each and every one of us, it seems like 
It's too much to ask, right? So what happened then basically to Zechariah because of all these things was that the angel put Zechariah in a serious timeout. Okay, Zechariah, I'm going to give you nine months, and I'm going to let you think about this, okay? Yeah, you don't give angels sass there, Zechariah. Man, you just don't. You're going you're gonna to pay the penalty. And this is pretty gracious of the angel, really. I mean, this was, this was kind, right? So basically, Zechariah, you're not going to say anything more. Uh, man, I'm going to give you time to think about this because you need to adjust your attitude. You need to stop and appreciate and understand what God is doing here. You need to understand that you've been chosen and that God loves you and he's doing something in your life spectacular. Each and every one of us here has the opportunity to be chosen, so to speak, because God loves each and every one of us. God has planned for us. He wants us to have a season of great joy this Christmas season. He wants to point things out to us that we haven't seen before. He wants us to appreciate things that we've missed and sometimes it takes a time out for us to do that, right? For us to say down, sit down and go, I need to adjust my attitude and allow God to help me do that. And one of the most powerful things we can do that I've learned that we can do, that I can do, is during this time of year, spend time in a self-inflicted time out and use it to pray. Zechariah, I bet, spent so much time thinking about what the angel had told him and praying. And I bet he said, I was foolish. What was I thinking? I got hung up on this when I should have just been falling on my knees and thanking God for what he's doing and for being a part of this. Me and Elizabeth. We're part of something bigger than ourselves. What was I thinking? And for me, I need to stop during this time of year especially, but all the time, and say, this is such an important part of the year. I want it to be very special. I want it to be special in my heart. I want it to be special in the hearts of the people I love. I want this to be a special time for everybody to know Jesus is born. The hope of all of us has come to earth, and we celebrate this time together. Well, once John was born, Zechariah was able to get his voice back, and he did indeed have a change of heart. Here is in part what he said when he finally got his voice. He said, And you, my child, shall be called a prophet of the Most High, for you will go on before the Lord to prepare the way for him, to give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of our God by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven to shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death to give our feet unto the path of peace. Zechariah finally got it. He finally realized his mind was open. He finally realized that when he could speak, he said, yes. Yes, this is what's happening. God is doing great things. And this is part of what he said here. My child is going to be a prophet. 
for the God, for the God most high. He's going to help people understand salvation is coming. Forgiveness is coming. God is being merciful to us. God is helping us. And he was rejoicing in what God was doing. He found his voice. And he used it then to praise God and to thank God for, what, for opening his mind and for allowing him to see past the problems, past the circumstance to what God was doing in the future and was going to do now for these last 2,000 years now it's been going on since Jesus' birth. So to summarize, here's what we can do to help us reduce the bah humbugs and the grudges that can kind of come up during Christmas. First of all, you know, you get the right to set some ground rules for yourself and for others. If you're having people over and you know there are hot topics, you can simply ask not to have those topics brought up, okay? There's a time and a place and that you want to focus on the reason we are here and the reason is to celebrate the birth of Christ. The reason is to enjoy being with each other and with people you love and care about and even people you don't know yet that you might become friends with, new friends. You have a special purpose in mind and we need to keep that purpose in mind and help things run smoothly. The next thing is we can say that God, remember that God is limitless, but we are not, right? We can't do all things. You're going to have to pick and choose. You have to decide what's most valuable, what's most important to me this year, this season, right? This Christmas season, what can I do and what can I not do? I can't go in all different directions, right? I've got to focus. So we need to focus on the few things that we can do and what will make the most impact for us and for others in our lives for this Christmas. Make it very meaningful. The next thing we can do, use humor and kindness. Lots of humor and lots of kindness because I have learned in my own life that humor helps offset some of the more difficult situations that come up in life. And you just need to have a few of these in your back pocket. And if you have to write them down, that's fine. Did you know that Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, I'll get it right, just give me a minute. <laughs> Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer got held back. He had, to, he had to actually go to summer school. Yeah, summer school. Do you know why? Well, the song said he went down in history. You got to bring those history grades up, you know. See, yeah. Just have a few of those in your back pocket, you know. And just say, hey, hey, people, people, did you hear about Rudolph? No, what happened? Oh, yeah, he got held back. Oh, no, yeah, well, he went down in history. You know, just do that kind of stuff, man. Just, just have some fun, right? Don't, we, we can't take ourselves too seriously. We can take God seriously. We can take Gabriel very seriously. But we can't take ourselves too seriously, right? And kindness, kindness is never wrong. Kindness is always right and always in place. And whenever we want to say something unkind, stop. Take a deep breath. Don't. Just don't. Say something kind instead. And then the next thing... Forgiveness and timeouts. Forgiveness is very important because forgiveness is about not forgiving the person in, so that they get away with something. It's about us letting go, us being able to move on, us being able to say that was in the past. I am moving on now. I need to move forward, and I'm going to forgive and leave 
what needs to be left behind, behind, right? And I'm going to take time out to pray. I'm going to take time out to ask God to teach me something new this year, to help me learn something new this year about Christmas. Just some little thing. I don't care what it is. God, what can you show me this year that I missed before, right? And then finally, rejoice. Christmas is a miracle of God. Zechariah looked right past the miracle. He got hung up on one thing. Don't get hung up. Realize that Christmas, accept it for the miracle that it is. It's a miracle that the God we couldn't see, couldn't touch, had a hard time relating to, said, I understand. So I'm going to send my son, and he's going to walk among you. And you're going to see him, and you're going to touch him, and you're going to be able to hear his words. And he is me, I am him. We are one. And through his life and through his words, you're going to learn more about Heavenly Father who loves you. Rejoice. Rejoice. And in two scriptures I want to leave you with, two scriptures. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I am bringing you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Rejoice. And then Paul wrote in a letter, he said, Rejoice in the Lord always. I'm going to say it again because it bears repeating. Rejoice. Let the gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Rejoice. Why? Because God is coming. God is here. Rejoice. Why? Because God is near. And when everything else gets out of control, we can still rejoice. This time of year, we're going to stop and we're going to rejoice. And we're not going to get distracted by the long to-do list. We are going to take time out to pray and appreciate what God is doing this Christmas season. Jesus, I want to thank you for these good people. I want to thank you for them coming here and listening online. I want to thank you for the way that you're helping us all understand the significance and the importance of this Christmas. Allow us, Lord, to, to enjoy it, to have the times we have together with the people we love and the friends and, and to do all the things we want to do, and, but yet at the same time, don't miss the miracle right before our eyes. Don't miss the announcement life-changing difference that your son, Jesus, you make in our lives. 2,000 years people waited for you. 2,000 years. And then you showed up. And now, 2,000 years later, we are still talking about what you did. Still celebrating what you did. You brought us hope. You brought us salvation, forgiveness, love through your mercy and through your grace. Oh, help us not ever take that for granted.
Help us always to take a moment, just a few moments each day, and just say thank you. And say, God, teach me something new. Teach me something new. I want to appreciate the miracle of Christmas. And we ask it in your name.